Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. In the meantime, I want to go on to something a little bit different because it's tough enough to deal, of course, with bereavement as an adult, but it's even tougher for children to deal with the reality. Uh, death is also a very difficult conversation, of course, to have with children and something many of us avoid until a child is directly affected. Uh, now, this week is Bereaved Children's Awareness Week, an awareness campaign to highlight the needs of bereaved children and how to support them through difficult periods of loss. And I'm going to speak to Maura Keating, who is coordinator uh, of the Irish Childhood Bereavement Network for Irish Hospice Foundation. Good afternoon to you, Maura. How are you? Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, it's, an, it's, it's definitely an uncomfortable topic to discuss, isn't it? Uh, but a reality for many, many families around the country. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. None of us as parents would be wanting to be having a conversation about death with our children if we didn't have to. But unfortunately, the reality is, in many cases... We have to have these conversations. And I suppose one of the things we're trying to do is build awareness about how to support parents to have these conversations, how to support parents to support their children through a bereavement. Because children, they have a different approach. They take a different way of mm-hmm. dealing with a bereavement. Um, often adults look at children and they say, oh, they seem fine. They're out playing with their friends or they're out doing this and that and the other and they seem fine. They're not talking about it. And that's just a natural instinct for children. Children are don't get completely immersed in 24-7 grief the way often we as adults do. Children tend to dip in and out of the emotions around grief. Um, I often think it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful way we could learn a lot from children because it's like as if their instincts tell them, this is too hard to deal with all the time. I'm going to go off and play and not think about it. Okay. But obviously uh, the emotions and the feelings are still there in them. And uh, it, this is kind of labelled uh, puddle grief, is that right? Well, we often, some people call it puddle jumping through grief, and it's that dipping in and out. It's that like, you know, often an adult will t- talk to a child about and ask them how they're feeling, and they might be upset and emotional and be, you know, distraught about what's happened or the death in the family. Mm-hmm. And then within a short space of time, they'll say, but can I still go to my party? Or can I still right, meet okay. my friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're often taken aback by that as adults thinking, oh, do they not understand it or do they not feel it as deeply? They do. They just are kind of hardwired to play. They're hardwired to to get themselves into something that makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean they don't have deep um, feelings about it. Of course, And I yeah. suppose that's why we often say to parents, even though we naturally want to protect our children by softening the words and softening the language we use, using euphemisms like, you know, the person has passed on or they've gone to a better place. Actually, that doesn't necessarily help at all. That actually could cause more confusion, particularly in younger children. Because if you're saying, oh, they've gone to a better place, younger children's mind will instantly think, why can't we all go to this best place? This this place is so nice, why can't we all go? So telling them the truth using simple, clear, unambiguous language, words that they can understand. So you nearly down by their age and their stage you know break it down when they're very young they won't really understand that death is permanent and forever so you're going to have to keep repeating it and explaining it to them and them asking questions is a good sign if you be led by their questions answer what they ask because that's their way of kind of them getting it getting it into their head you know Mm -hmm. getting processing and really understanding it the more questions they ask and then as they mature 
they might have different questions they ask. I, um, and I, is there, sorry if you're jumping in there, but yeah, more, but is there a major difference, I suppose, insofar as I'm just thinking of age profiles here. So, mm. so an unfortunate circumstance where maybe a child of toddler age up to yeah. maybe five, six or whatever, mm. uh, unfortunately loses a parent or someone very close to yeah. them. Uh, oftentimes it would be a grandparent. Um, is, is there a major difference in, in the mentality of dealing with it at that age comparable to, say, in comparison to, say, to maybe 10, 11, and then again going up towards the teenage years? Are they, are they major yeah. differences? Well, certainly, you know, kind of the younger children and you're talking kind of, you know, eight and below. Now, some children at eight, you know, so they, they, they're loose, sort of them. But you're talking about children in the, the younger end of uh, preschool and primary school won't understand that death is permanent. Yeah. They'll, they'll think, they, they're still in that magical thinking phase and they'll think if I'm really, really good or if I ask Santa they'll come back and things like that. So they're still in the magical thinking. So they don't really understand it's forever. So we'll take them time mm-hmm. and a couple of years to mature into that understanding. Then as you get into the sort of stage of the primary school and certainly into secondary school, yeah. they're starting to understand that this is for real. Now that doesn't mean they don't still have that magical, those magical thoughts because deep down they can wish and believe and hope that somehow it might be all a big mistake and, and it, you know, it okay. could be changed. Yeah. But they're certainly maturing into that levels of understanding. Um, and then obviously, as you get into the higher levels of teenagers, um, they understand the reality of death. They may not want to accept it and they may not want to talk about it um, and face it, but they'll, they'll understand it at a, at a cognitive level, you know, but they may emotionally, they'll still want that person back and want to believe that something, you know, Okay, um, it's, it's, it's very interesting actually and, and I think it's something we'll all take away from it is the honesty approach and I yeah. think I think we're all maybe a little bit guilty and it's very hard as parents to deal with it and um, you know yeah. thankfully for me it's it's only a scenario where the inquisition has started but obviously it's a reality for a lot of people and they have to uh, sit their children down and, and that's interesting to talk about you know being honest about it. From my own point of view and, and, and uh, I was only speaking about this in the office recently um, I'm at the five-year-old stage where yeah. it's you know where is your grandfather father and uh, did you have a granddad and where is he and you know this this sort of these sort of questions have been asked now and I'll be honest with you I thought I would always be prepared for this uh, but I, know. I think the, the, your your instant the, the, the instant reaction that you have is you want your child to not feel bad yeah. so like well I don't want them to be upset so I'm just going to tell them everything's fine yeah. you know so, so that, and, yeah. and I was so I mean, surprised at myself natural. Yeah. Yeah. and, and no, is it natural is so, I'm, I'm, it's our instinct it's our human instinct we feel the need to protect our children, we think we're sheltering them, but actually, children love being told the truth. Children love honesty, and they love, they, when they have a question, they like to have an answer. They don't want a big, long lecture, but they want to have a simple, clear, concrete answer. And so, actually, what you said is very interesting, because when children, outside of a direct bereavement, start asking about the cycle of life, effectively, mm-hmm. how, you know, where is the where is your grandfather? Yeah. That's a great way to start introducing the conversation that, you know, all living things die and that there is a cycle of life and that if they hadn't have been there, we wouldn't be here and those sort of things. And that helps them understand it in in abstract, I suppose, a little bit without it being 
haven't had that conversation around a direct bereavement that affects them emotionally. So it is good to have those conversations. For sure, absolutely. And do you think in general, um, and obviously with with what's going on at the moment, uh, Maura, just a general question, I suppose, we we probably have never spoken as much about death, really, uh, since March. It is just round the clock. And I think it's probably troubling a lot of us. Uh, It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's making a lot of people suffer with mental health and so on, which is completely understandable. But do you think maybe it's a sign that we have an issue, maybe, you know, nationally or globally, I don't know what it is, in actually speaking openly about death? Do, do we have a problem with that? Because, you know, and, and not to get into the intricacies of, of you know, uh, mortality stats and so on with this whole pandemic mm. thing, but it seems that we have a problem speaking about death and the reality that people die, if you know what I mean. Well, I mean, without a doubt, conversations about that are not easy conversations. Yeah. And if a lot of people, you know, will naturally avoid and shy away from it if they can and they don't have to. And often we overthink the the way to express sympathy, the way to have these conversations. Yeah. But actually, if we go with our instinct, um, you know, small things can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have... Obviously, we don't have to have the, all the answers. We can't fix the thing. The worst has happened. We can't fix it or reverse it. Yeah. All we can do is be there for people, be reassuring, be compassionate, and just be human and make the connections. And, you know, that means an awful lot to children, particularly older children, knowing that adults get it, knowing that they acknowledging that what's happened for them is a huge thing, particularly for adolescents. Acknowledging it, not making it not forcing them to be, you know, to talk about it if they don't want to, but just acknowledging and letting them know you're there for them. Letting them know that you're the adult that they can turn if they just are having a bad day or they just want to talk. Okay. Um, yeah, no, you're dead right. And um, and it's it's good to have an open discussion about it, uh, Maura. And I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, in relation to the bereavement support line, that's there. It's 1800 Correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, right, but that's 1800 And uh, anything else we should be aware of uh, well, during this campaign or where do you want to direct people to? Yeah, well, all the information about what's happening uh, for Bereaved Children's Awareness Week is on our website. And the website is childhoodbereavement.ie so www.childhoodbereavement.ie um, we'll be having a whole range of information uh, and sessions we have a really interesting session on the 23rd of November and it's an open evening for, for parents and adults supporting bereaved children and there'll be a very supportive um, empowering session uh, that people can zoom into they'll be They'll only see the speakers. You won't see the audience. So the audience will be, you can watch it in in privacy in the comfort of your own home. And if you just want to get a bit of reassurance about how how to have these conversations, we're going to talk that through. We're going to give some examples. We're going to share some little ideas about little creative things you can do with children um, to get up and express their emotions. Great, great. So that's a a nice, um, if the information's on our website and you'll also find, you can register through through Eventbrite. 
fantastic. Well, listen, Maura Keating, coordinator of the Irish Childhood Briefing Network for Irish Hospitals Foundation. Thanks a million for coming on to us this afternoon, Maura. Great. Uh, Thanks, really Mike, appreciate it. See you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And uh, lots of reaction coming in on that, actually. And uh, hopefully it will help somebody out there because it's a very difficult uh, subject, isn't it? Um, but it happens and, and so many people, unfortunately, are left in the position of having to sit a child down and tell them that worst news. It is the reality of what happens. It happens every day and uh, something we thought we'd bring to you today. Um, someone texted in to say, I just uh, tell my kids how it is. My six-year-old lost her granddad last year. Or sorry, this year. Uh, sorry to hear that. I explained he's gone forever and that he is getting uh, cremated in it and uh, she asked a few questions and that was it. Uh, we shouldn't take kids' intelligence for granted, that says. My telling your kid about death is one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do as a parent, but kids take the news better uh, than we as adults do in some cases. Uh, we tell them about all the other facts of life and it's our job, no matter how hard it may be, uh, to equip them with the tools they need to go forward in life.